Welcome to Animals Today, your home for series talk about animals. I'm Dr. Lori Kirshner. A couple summers ago, one of my friend's dogs, Simon, ate a couple pieces of chocolate cake that was left on the kitchen counter. My friend discovered what happened when she got home from work to have lunch with her dog, and she saw that the plastic wrapped around the cake and the pieces of cake were gone. Well, my friend knew, as most of us know, that chocolate is highly toxic and potentially lethal to dogs. So she immediately tried to call her veterinarian, but they were closed for lunch, so she called the Pet Poison Helpline. And keep in mind, the dog appeared to be fine. Simon was let out to relieve himself, and he had a normal bowel movement. And again, he seemed to be acting the same as usual. Well, I'll just tell you that things got bad and scary a few hours later. But thankfully, after spending a few nights in the veterinary hospital, being monitored and treated for any symptoms, Simon was and is okay. And later we'll talk more about chocolate, like how much chocolate is really toxic for dogs? I'll tell you, it's much less than you'd think. But do you really have to worry if your medium-sized dog eats one milk chocolate chip from a cookie that fell on the floor? And did you know that dry cocoa powder is actually the most toxic of all chocolates? All it takes is one ounce of cocoa powder to kill a 16-pound dog, or as little as 0.14 ounce, that's four grams of cocoa powder can actually cause toxic effects in a 10-pound dog. And your big 70-pound dog with just one lick of his tongue can get enough cocoa powder to potentially kill him. So we're going to talk about chocolate a little bit later in the show, but back to the topic today. Accidents happen, and despite your best efforts, your companion animal can come into contact with a potentially poisonous substance. And to help raise awareness of common hazards and toxins to pets, the ASPCA Animal Poison Control Center has put together a list of the top 10 most commonly reported pet toxins. So let's talk about these. What do you think is the most common pet poison in your household? The most common group of toxins that pets ingest year after year. Over-the-counter medications meant for humans, including ibuprofen, acetaminophen, cold medications, joint creams and lotions, and herbal supplements. These are commonly used human medications. Most of us have acetaminophen, right? That's Tylenol or ibuprofen. That's Advil, Motrin. There are many brand names of ibuprofen. And a lot of us have these gels or creams you rub on your skin over sore joints. How easy is it for your dog to access that bottle of pills at your bedside or ingest that little packet of Tylenol in your purse or grab and puncture that tube of cream on your countertop? It's so easy and so common. This is the number one cause of poisoning in our pets. Medication should not be left on the countertop or in areas reachable by your pet, including backpacks, purses, or whatever left on the chairs or on the floor. We've talked on the show about lotions and creams that contain various medications for human use, which can pose serious risks to dogs and cats. So there are several topical creams or ointments that contain common and potent ingredients known as the non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs or NSAIDs. Examples include diclofenac. This comes in many brand names, including Volterin, Fleurbiprofen, which is similar to Motrin and Advil and Naprosyn. 
These are ingredients commonly found in creams used to relieve sore joints and muscles. These can be very toxic to your pets. You rub these creams or gels right on your skin or your joints, and they can cause toxic reactions and even death when they're licked off your skin by our dog or cat or absorbed through the skin of the pet after direct contact with your skin. And then you have these hormone applications or substances, creams, which contain estrogen or testosterone and other hormones. Same thing. A few years back, we spoke to a veterinarian about a set of diseases being seen more and more frequently in dogs and cats, and that is exposure to human hormone replacement therapy. These also come in the form of lotions and creams that you rub on yourself. And patches also, hormone patches. How easily do these patches unknowingly fall off your body when you come out of the shower and your dog sees it and scoops it up? And then you have all these herbal supplements or Chinese herbal therapy. These claim they can do everything from soothing your sore throat, aiding with weight loss, anxiety, pain, sleep, whatever. Many people feel comfortable with the idea of all natural or organic, whatever these marketing terms mean, form of remedy. And herbal medicines are readily available and don't require prescription from your doctor. Some people like that. But keep in mind, herbal supplements could also potentially kill your pet if consumed by your pet. Alpha lipoic acid, ALA, often sold as an herbal supplement, also is an antioxidant, can cause low blood sugar and liver damage and potentially lethal in dogs and cats. Tea extract, tea tree oil, white willow bark, I can go on, even marijuana and cannabinoids are very toxic to our pets. So don't let the terms natural and herbal fool you. You might think you're doing something good for you, but can be very dangerous for pets. So human over-the-counter medication is the most frequent cause of pet poisoning. And so not surprising, the second most common pet toxin, according to the ASPCA Animal Poison Control Center, is human prescription medication. With antidepressant, anticonvulsant, and heart medication ingestions being the most common cases. ADHD meds and thyroid meds also make up a significant amount of cases reported. Make sure your prescription medications and all your over-the-counter medications are safely locked away and out of your pet's reach. And I'll tell you, we human doctors, we don't know this stuff. We don't know what's potentially toxic to your pet. And we don't think about this when we're prescribing these medications to our patients. We're thinking about how to treat your ailments. We're not thinking about what happens if your pet at home accidentally consumes the medication we prescribe for you. And I'll tell you a personal story here. My father's doctor recently prescribed a pre-cancer killing medication cream for my father to apply in his hands. This prescription medication is the class of medication called fluorouracil, and it can go under many names. And I thought, okay, my father's supposed to rub this anti-cancer cream on his hands twice a day. And, oh, by the way, my dad has an adorable little white rescued 15-pound, loves-to-make-kisses, loves-to-be-held dog called Chiclet. So toxic cream on hands that's supposed to kill pre-cancer cells and little dog who is often found in those very hands or is often licking those hands doesn't appear to be a smart or safe combination. 
And after about 10 seconds of research, I read that the FDA issued a warning specifically about these very skin cancer creams and the dangers they pose to pets. So I communicated this with my dad's physician and said, Hey, I noticed you suggested my father use the fluorouracil cream on his hands. You might not be aware of this, but the FDA recently issued several warnings to pet owners that skin cancer creams like Eufidex and fluorouracil are highly toxic to pets. And I explained to him that apparently over the past couple years, there have been dozens of dogs and cats and other small animals who've died or have become extremely ill after licking the skin of someone who has used this class of medication. And in other cases, a pet owner may apply cream on his skin and then handle his pet. The dog then groomed his fur, ingesting the medication, and becomes sick or dies. And I told my dad's doctor about Chiclet, who is often handled by my dad. And my father's doctor said he was not aware of the risk of fluorouracil and these other applications to dogs and pets, and he appreciated me letting him know. So just be mindful that keeping your pet safe is not on your doctor's mind when they prescribe a medication to you. And in this particular case, when we're dealing with a very strong anti-cancer cream, it might seem obvious to you and me, this could be risky for our pets, but other medications and supplements and applications might not be so obvious. So just assume every medication that's meant for you will harm or kill our pet if he consumes it. Number three on the list of most common pet toxins or poisons, food. Xylitol. How many times have you heard me talk about xylitol being toxic to our pets? We talked about foods that may contain xylitol. It's present in many foods, and you don't know unless you look at the ingredients. Your peanut butter might have xylitol. Did you know that? Your pudding snacks, ice cream, might contain xylitol. How would you feel, oh my God, if you give your dog a tiny bit of ice cream because you know he just enjoys it so much and you find out it contains xylitol? Sugar-free cake mixes, sugar-free candy and mints often contain xylitol. Chewing gum, human toothpaste and mouthwash commonly contain xylitol. It's great to get into the habit of brushing your dog's teeth, but never use human toothpaste. So xylitol is a big one. Did you know grapes, raisins, onions, garlic are also toxic to pets? They also have on the list protein bars and snack bars as a very common food toxin to pets. I don't know what's in protein bars that make them toxic. Oh, maybe because of xylitol. Xylitol in many protein bars. Oh, also chocolate or cocoa in the protein bars. And we're going to get to chocolate after the break. But look in the ingredients before deciding to give your pet a taste of certain human foods. Grapes, raisins, onions, garlic, very dangerous for pets. Onion and garlic powder are often added to a lot of foods to make them taste better. So look at the ingredients. Here's a good example. Cats usually love the taste of meat-based baby food. And cat owners might find out that many times baby food will be the only thing your cat will eat when he's sick. Many of the baby foods come with seasonings like onion powder and garlic powder. I read that an onion, onion powder, can become toxic to a cat if more than one gram 
per five pounds of body weight is ingested. That's such a small amount of onion powder. If you ever weighed out one gram of anything like sugar or flour, you'll see it's an incredibly small amount. So you want to make sure the baby food you're buying is just water and chicken or water and the meat. When one of our cats, 21-year-old Margarita, was nearing the end of her beautiful life and fighting with health issues, she stopped eating her kibble or any wet food, but she would eat a teaspoon of baby food and just loved it. So most commonly reported pet toxins, that's what we're talking about today on Animals Today. More of this right after the break. Welcome back. We're talking about the 10 most commonly reported pet toxins. Number one is over-the-counter human medication, including ibuprofen, acetaminophen, joint creams and lotions, and herbal supplements. Number two on the list, human prescription medications, including heart meds, ADHD meds, thyroid and antidepressant medications. Anna Brutlag is Director of Veterinary Services and Senior Veterinary Toxicologist for the Pet Poison Helpline, said last year that about 40% of their calls are from owners whose pets get into medications intended for human use. She said someone accidentally drops a pill on the floor and the dog gets it or someone leaves a pill left on the counter and the cat tongues them up. She says sometimes it's double play, the cat bats them off the counter and then the dog eats them off the floor. But more commonly, a dog will simply chew open a bottle of pills, be it aspirin, blood pressure medication, and so on, and wolf down the contents. Keep all medications in cabinets or drawers. They shouldn't be left on the countertop or in areas reachable by your pet, including backpacks or purses left on the chairs or on the floor. Next common pet toxin we talked about is food. We talked about xylitol, grapes, raisins, onions, or onion and garlic powder. Chocolate. Let's talk about chocolate. According to the list, about one out of 10 calls into the Animal Poison Control Center involves chocolate. And they say here that's about 67 cases per day. So just know that chocolate is pretty toxic for our pets. And how toxic it is to your pet depends on the type of chocolate, the amount of chocolate consumed, and the weight of your pet. Why is chocolate so toxic to our dogs? Chocolate is toxic because it contains a chemical called theobromine, as well as caffeine. Humans easily metabolize theobromine, but dogs have a hard time metabolizing it, as well as the caffeine, so it builds up to toxic levels in their systems. Now, different chocolate types have different theobromine levels. Cocoa, cooking chocolate, and dark chocolate contain the highest levels of theobromine, while milk chocolate and white chocolate have the lowest levels. But the darker and more bitter the chocolate, the more dangerous it is to the dogs. Baking chocolate and gourmet dark chocolate have highly concentrated amount of theobromine per ounce. Just to give you an idea, I read that less than one ounce of dark chocolate may be enough to poison a 44-pound dog. So let's say a medium-sized dog weighing 50 pounds would only need to eat one ounce of baker's chocolate or nine ounces of milk chocolate to potentially show signs of poisoning. 
Now, for many dogs, eating that one milk chocolate chip that fell on the floor while you were making cookies is probably not harmful. Symptoms of chocolate poisoning may include diarrhea, vomiting, muscle tremors, seizures, irregular heartbeat, internal bleeding, or a heart attack. The onset of theobromine poisoning is usually marked by severe hyperactivity, but fatalities have been seen at around 200 milligrams per kilogram. And again, like I said, depending on the type of chocolate, it doesn't take a lot of chocolate to kill your pet. If your dog ingests chocolate, call your veterinarian or the Pet Poison Helpline or the ASPCA Animal Poison Control Center immediately. You should look up those numbers and put them in your phone now. Pet Poison Helpline, ASPCA's Animal Poison Control Center, and they'll help you figure it out if a poisonous amount of chocolate was ingested. If a toxic amount is ingested, you should have your dog examined by a veterinarian immediately. The sooner the theobromine is removed from the body and the dog is stabilized, the better your dog's prognosis. Number five on the list of pet poisons is plants. Now, this is interesting. Plants, both indoor and outdoor plants, moved up three spots on the list of top 10 pet toxins in 2020. With the Animal Poison Control Center seeing 9,000 more plant-related calls compared to the previous year. They say that at the start of the pandemic, more people found themselves decorating with plants or sending bouquets to friends and family. So know which are the plants that might pose a serious threat to pets, dogs, cats, and horses too. Common toxic plants include sago palms, lilies, azaleas, tulips, oleander, marijuana. The most common severe cases involved cats and lily exposures. But there are a lot of plants out there that are potentially toxic to our pets. Let me say a few words about marijuana. We're seeing more and more states legalizing marijuana. And with this crazy pandemic, more people turning to substance use. So you can see why there's an increase in marijuana pet poisoning ingestion cases. THC, the most potent psychoactive cannabinoid in marijuana, can be absorbed orally, but also through inhalation, same way as humans get high. Bring your pet to a hospital if you think your pet has inhaled or ingested a substance containing marijuana. Next pet poison on the list, veterinary products like chewable pet medications. These are made to be tasty so our pets will take the prescribed medication. But if allowed, your dog might eat more than prescribed and even the entire container. Make sure to treat these products like prescription medications and keep them away from your pets. The last four pet toxins on the list of top 10 pet poisons include household items such as cleaning products and paint, rodenticides, insecticides, and gardening products, including fertilizer. So when we come back after the break, I want to talk a little bit about rodenticides and insecticides. But just know that cleaning products, paint, adhesives, Spackle. These household items make up about 7% of the Animal Poison Control Center's cases. And garden and lawn products, also on the list of the top 10 poisons. Many pets find fertilizers, especially organic products, irresistible. Keep your pets away from the herbicides and soil enhancements. Oh, this is so interesting. Real quick before we take a break. The ASPCA Animal Poison Control Center saw 13% increase 
in case volume in 2020 as adoption and foster rates increased and pet owners spent more time at home due to the pandemic. So ASPCA reports that because of the pandemic and pet owners were spending a significant amount of time at home in 2020 and people were taking up new hobbies such as baking and gardening and thus pets had more access to potentially toxic items such as chocolate, yeast dough, and indoor and outdoor plants. So there was an 11% increase in cases involving chocolate, a 51% increase in cases involving yeast dough, and a 40% increase in cases involving plants in 2020 compared to the prior year. Additionally, ASPCA reports adoption and foster rates were positively impacted by the pandemic with more people adding pets to their household, contributing to an overall increase in cases in 2020. That's really significant. Okay, don't go away. I'm going to tell you a little story about our Susie. Susie Q, we called her, who got into a bait station filled with a deadly pesticide and what you need to know to keep your pet safe from pesticides and insecticides. You're listening to Animals Today. That is the sound of a dog whose vocal cords were cut just to stifle her voice. It's called devocalization, and it's done to cats as well. Devocalized animals rasp and wheeze, cough and gag for the rest of their lives. Some are rendered mute. And for what? So a commercial or hobby breeder can keep many animals without having to listen to them? So show dogs will be quiet during transit between shows or in the ring? So an irresponsible pet owner can leave a dog alone for hours every day? Animals Today says shame on anyone who would have a dog or cat devocalized and shame on the veterinarians who perform this unnecessary, inhumane surgery on them. Please speak out against devocalization of dogs and cats. Use your voice to protect theirs. This message is brought to you by Advancing the Interests of Animals. Visit them at AIAnimals.org. That's AIAnimals.org. Welcome back. One of the top 10 pet poisons reported by the ASPCA Pet Poison Control Center is rodenticide exposure. Depending on the type, mouse and rat baits can cause bleeding, kidney failure, seizures, or even death to your dog or cat. Obviously, you want to keep mouse and rat poisons well out of reach of pets, and some of the poisons come with a plastic bait station. Do you know what a bait station is? A bait station's not a trap. It's a device that holds bait, which is poison, and the purpose is that it's supposed to provide easy access for the rat or rodent or squirrel or whatever you're trying to poison, but protect children and pets from accessing the bait. But pets, especially dogs, can easily chew through the bait station and get to the poison. I'm going to tell you a little story of our experience with pesticide exposure with one of our dogs, Susie. Our beloved wild girl, Susie, got into a bait station out on one of our walks. And this bait station was set out by the city to prevent squirrels from damaging a nearby levee. These particular bait stations were made of PVC piping and they were T-shaped. Have you ever seen these? It's actually a reverse T-shape. So picture this. You have the center 
vertical pipe sticking up into the air. That's where you insert the poison, which is supposed to fall to the bottom, where it's connected to the center of the horizontal pipe line on the ground, which opens at both ends. So the rodent has two points of entry and exit. And you don't expect to find dead rodents in these bait stations because the way it works is the animal enters the station, eats some bait, leaves the station, and usually goes back to its nest or out somewhere else where it dies a day or two later. And it's a horrible death for the animal, I should add. Don't think for a second this is a painless way for an animal to die. Now, this particular poison that Susie got into, we found out, consisted of oats, like breakfast oats saturated with a cobalt blue substance. And Susie shoved her snout into the dispenser before we knew what happened and what it was. Not sure how much she consumed, but she definitely got a few licks in. Anyway, you know you got to act quickly if you think your pet just ingested poison. You can't wait for symptoms before you act. So we rushed Susie to our vet. I mean, we were at the vet's office within 20 minutes of this event. And the vet immediately induced vomiting and placed Susie on a month of vitamin K therapy. And luckily, she was fine. This particular poison was an anticoagulant rodenticide, which prevents the animal to clot his own blood, which eventually leads to internal bleeding. And like I said, it's a horrible way to die. So what vitamin K does, it's supposed to reverse the anticoagulant effect of the poison. So Susie was fine, but imagine if we didn't see this happen, and imagine what these poisons do to our wildlife. We have coyotes all around us here where we live. We see them all the time in this area, so I'm positive coyotes access this poison in the same way our Susie did. A couple of years ago, we had an environmental health legal director, Jonathan Evans, on the show. He works with Center for Biological Diversity to protect imperiled wildlife from the threats of environmental contamination and reduce the toxic threats of pesticides. He spoke to us about the different types of rodenticides used and how to safely and humanely deal with rodent problems in your home. But he made the point that bait stations are everywhere, and these rodenticides are getting into the environment, getting into our families and our pets and kids in ways we don't even know about, and with widespread exposure rate. And these pesticides, poisons, are really ubiquitous, even if you're not using them yourself around or in your own home. There are bait products around restaurants and grocery stores and outdoor areas like parks and near and around levees. And going back to my point about directly harming our wildlife, so the way it usually works, the rodents first get to the poisons, okay? And these guys are preyed upon by the upper-level predators, foxes, coyotes, eagles, hawks, bobcats. And these animals will ingest the toxins when they capture and eat the poison rodents. And then these animals get very sick and experience a painful, slow death. So you can see how it becomes very widespread in the food chain. And people don't think about that. They don't think about the widespread impact it has on our wildlife because people usually just want to get rid of the pests and rodents around them. But remember, it's particularly harmful to our wildlife, the very animals and species whose job it is to keep the rodent population down. 
our dogs and cats are getting into these pesticides. And as I mentioned at the top of the segment, rodenticides are in the top 10 toxins that harm our pets. So if you think your cat or dog has been exposed to a rodenticide, you should seek treatment with your veterinarian immediately or call the Pet Poison Helpline or the Animal Poison Control Center. Put these numbers in your phone. Pet Poison Helpline or the ASPCA Animal Poison Control Center. Also on the show, we've talked about the risks that pesticides pose to our dogs and cats with veterinarian Robert Reed and what precautions you should take when your home or surroundings is treated to address pest problems. You could check that interview out or the one with Jonathan Evans if you want to learn more about pesticides and wildlife by going to our podcast, animalstodayradio.com. And there's a search box on the top right upper corner and type in pesticides. And you can access both of these interviews on animalstodayradio.com. You know, we live in a suburban house in the desert and started noticing mouse or rat droppings in our garage. So we elected to get a few of those no-kill traps. They're humane, no poison, no kill, no crushing, no harming the animal. And we used peanut butter as bait. And it works. Rack goes in, little cage door closes, and you check several hours later. Peter actually caught a few rodents in about two weeks. Each one he humanely released, of course, just far enough away in a rodent safe and happy place. And it's been over a year since that happened, and we haven't seen any more signs of rodents so far. And of course, we're very happy we can do this without the traps which can injure or kill the rodent, and without using or having poisons around the house. And finally, one of the 10 most common pet toxins, insecticide exposure. Insecticides are designed to kill insects, and they are used everywhere, your home, gardens, parks, and you know how easy it would be for your dog to inhale or ingest insecticide debris left on some grass or on a treated plant. Do you have a pest control service that comes to your home or your apartment to spray? Or maybe your HOA schedules that and they spray common areas in your community? The exterminator might tell you that what they use is harmless to pets. Don't believe them. Pets poisoned from insecticides are on this top 10 pet poison list. So you know pets are getting into these insecticides where the insecticides are getting on the dog's paws or bodies and perhaps they're grooming themselves in many ways to be poisoned. One resource is offering good advice. Never apply outdoor insecticides while your pet, any toys, or feeding bowls are on the lawn. Avoid pellet pesticides that can be mistaken for food. Don't mix insecticides with organic fertilizer. Most dogs like the taste of organic fertilizers. When storing insecticides, make sure they are out of reach and locked up so the children and animals cannot access them. And then there are these spot-on flea and tick treatments meant for your dog. Is that safe? A friend of mine's dog died from a flea and tick product application. So personally, I would never use one on my dog. There's so many non-toxic ways to treat your pet from ticks and fleas, or I would just ask your trusted veterinarian what he recommends if the time comes you feel your dog needs flea treatment. And by the way, there's a nasty chemical called permethrin, which is often used in these flea and tick treatments for dogs. Cats are highly 
susceptible to permethrin poisoning, even through skin contact. So if you have a cat and a dog in the same household, definitely look for safer alternatives for your home. So permethrin, remember that name, highly toxic to cats. Permethrin is found in some dog flea and tick treatments, some dog shampoos, fly sprays, and ant powder. Exposure to even small quantities of concentrated permethrin can cause severe and fatal poisoning in cats. So common pet poisons and toxins, we need to be aware of them. We love our pets. It's important to keep any potential danger and toxins out of our pet's reach. The less accessible these toxins are to our pet, the less likely your pet is going to get into them. If you think your pet may have ingested a potentially poisonous substance, seek immediate veterinary treatment or call the ASPCA Animal Poison Control Center or Pet Poison Helpline. I'll tell you the numbers, but obviously you can easily look them up online. ASPCA Animal Poison Control Center, 888-426-4435. Pet Poison Helpline, 855-764-7661, Animal Poison Control Center, and Pet Poison Helpline. Put these numbers in your phone, tape it to your refrigerator. Do people do that anymore? Tape it to the refrigerator? Leave the numbers for your pet sitter. That's a good idea. Leave the numbers for your pet sitter. Give them to your friends with pets. The ASPC Animal Poison Control Center is probably your best resource for any animal poison-related emergency, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, 888-427-4435. Also, Pet Poison Helpline, always available to you, 855-764-7661. More with animals today, right after the break. Today we're going to talk about an animal we haven't spoken much about in the past, and that is the zebra. Okay. What's a zebra, you might ask? Well, the body type sort of looks like a horse or a donkey. All three animals are ungulates because they have hooves. And indeed, zebras are closely related to horses and donkeys. But they're not the same species, but they're part of the same family, the equidae family. Of course, the zebra's most famous feature is their black and white striped coat, and we'll talk more about that in a couple minutes. Peter, here's a good question for you. Beneath the zebra's black and white coat, beneath their fur, what color is their skin? Oh, do I have choices? I just tell you the right answer. (laughs) I'm going to say they are gray skin. Black. Yeah. There are three different species of zebra, the plains zebra, the gravy zebra, and the mountain zebra. All three species are native to what continent? Oh, Africa? Yes. Zebras are herbivores or carnivores? They are herbivores. That's correct. And like many of the herbivores in Africa, they're constantly on the move, migrating to new feeding grounds to find fresh food and water. And they eat mainly grass, but they can eat leaves and twigs and shrubs and fruit. And they spend a big part of their day eating. 
Zebras are social animals and live together in large groups called... Zebra pack. Herds. Yeah, of course. There's another name for a group of zebras. <laughs> Do you want to guess or you want multiple choice? <laughs> How about you tell me? Here's multiple choice. Okay. A sparkle, mm. a dazzle, or a shimmer. I'm going to say dazzle. A dazzle is correct. I've, I don't think I've ever heard that. <laughs> so there are herds and there are also super herds consisting of thousands of zebras. And within any herd, there are smaller family groups made up of a dominant male, several females, and their young. What's a male zebra called? A stud. Stallion. What's a female zebra called? A mare. Yes. Yes. Baby zebras are called... Are called kids. Fowls. <laughs> when the fowls are between one and three years old, the males leave the family group to join bachelor herds. And they live and stay in the bachelor group until they're strong enough to start competing for females. The predators of the zebras include the big cats, like cheetahs, leopards, lions, and the hyenas. And when zebras are under attack, they form a circle facing the predator and are ready to attack. So strong social bonds, and they protect one another. And the male zebras are fierce fighters. Peter, who can run faster, a lion or a zebra? Oh, I'll go with the zebra. A lion. <laughs> Not fair. <laughs> How about a horse and a zebra? Who runs faster? Oh, there's lots of different kinds of horses. So I will say zebra. Horse. <laughs> But zebras can still run pretty darn fast, about 40 miles per hour. True or false, can zebras sleep standing up? I'm going to say yes. Correct. So why do zebras have stripes? Well, over the last century, scientists have debated this question. And possible theories are to confuse or distract predators. The black and white stripes might keep them camouflaged to control their body temperature, or the stripes may help zebras recognize each other. But what seems to be a popular theory is that the stripes are a form of pest control in that they protect the animal from biting flies, like horse flies. It's been shown that horses are bitten by flies disproportionately more often than zebras under the same conditions. Peter, true or false, all zebras have an identical stripe pattern. Oh, I'm going to go false. False. No two zebras have the same stripe pattern. Just like human fingerprints, where each human has a unique fingerprint, the zebra's black and white stripes are distinctive as well. When a baby is born, they have reddish brown and white stripes, and as the fowl grows up, their stripes change to black and white. Now, all three species of zebras are endangered, no surprise. The gravy zebra is at the most risk, with fewer than 2,000 remaining. Mm. What's the biggest threat to zebra populations? Oh, uh, let's see. It is going to be habitat loss. Humans are the biggest threat to zebra populations, like nearly all the wild animals we talk about on the show. Their numbers have severely declined, primarily due to hunting. Zebras are hunted by humans for their skin. People suck. Yeah. And habitat destruction is a smaller factor. Peter, the word zebra is the American medical slang for what? Oh, that I know. Like a, a rare, uh, yeah, a rare disease. Yeah, yeah. Can you think of any zebra idioms? Any zebra idioms? Um, a zebra can't change its stripes. <laughs> okay. Something like that. No. 
Only the one related to uh, medicine, which we were, you know, yeah. indoctrinated into, which says when you hear hoofbeats, don't think of zebras, think of horses, which means, you know, common things are common. Exactly. Another one, how about the sport referee wearing a black and white okay. shirt? Does yeah. anyone ever refer to a oh. referee as there's the zebra? Or? Maybe. Yeah, okay. That makes sense. I don't know if I remember. Okay. In Britain, there are zebra crossings. Have you heard of that? Oh. It's a pedestrian crossing that's marked on the road with, with painted uh, black and white stripes. In the 1960s, there was a product. You might have... You might have had when you were a kid with a zebra with black colored stripes on the package of this product and each individual wrapped serving hmm. in this package had stripes on it as well. What's the product? Hmm. Oh, how about some cereal or dessert or something like that? Fruit stripe gum. Oh, yeah. That was an extension of the beech nut gun line. Yeah. Yipes, Y-I-P-E-S, is the name of the fruit stripe zebra mascot. Okay. Do you vaguely remember that? You know, it's 1960s. I don't think yeah, I was yeah, around yeah. that. <laughs> well, it la- the gum lasted for a decade or more. But anyway, you know, you mentioned a zebra doesn't change his stripes or whatever. Al Gore confused his idioms when he was attacking President Bush in 1992 and said, quote, a zebra does not change its spots. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> Dr. Seuss said, yeah. there's no limit to how much you'll know, depending how far beyond zebra You'll go. Yep. That's better than gore. <laughs> That's right. Okay. That's good, Lori. Zebras. You Yay. Know, the, uh, I do like those confused idioms. I'm all, they, they always catch my ear. Yeah. Like when you may be watching the news sort of with half attention. It always, I was, oh, that's not right. I don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, okay. Thanks, Lori. Okay, well, thank you for tuning into Animals Today. I'm Dr. Lori Kirshner, encouraging you to nurture your love and compassion for the only other beings sharing our planet, the animals. The Harry Barker Cabin Cuddler Bed for dogs, filled with chipped memory foam, the Cabin Cuddler Bed by Harry Barker offers an irresistible nook for sleepy pups to snuggle. The durable, machine-washable cotton cover in charming red plaid will add a touch of cheer to any home. Filled with chipped foam repurposed from recycled plastic bottles, that's cool, these hypoallergenic beds are built for maximum doggy comfort. And we've got two of these at the foot of our bed, and they are nice looking. They start at $70. Now, the Harry Barker lounger beds, they are designed for dogs that need space but still enjoy a sidewall to cuddle against. With an open front, orthopedic chipped memory foam on the bottom, and pet-friendly eco-polyfill lining along the back and sides of the lounger, this is sure to be the most comfortable bed your pup has ever napped on. The beds come in a variety of timeless designs such as Buffalo Check and Vintage Stripe. Check out Harry Barker for cool doggy beds.